welcome to all the panelists and the audience uh, for this interesting discussion on COVID-19 and its impact on India education sector. Uh, we have a very impressive and unique lineup of speakers uh, today. The reason I call it unique is because we have presence across different subsectors of education today. So we have uh, Mr. Naga Prashad, uh, who has who's a stalwart in the in the K-12 and uh, uh, preschool space. Uh, he was a founder of Oak Ridge, and I'll let him talk more about his background uh, in the round of introductions that we did. We have Akash Chaudhary, who is from the, the alum from class of 04, uh, and he is a stalwart again in the test prep and higher education space. And then we have Mayank from class of 09. Uh, Mayank is, uh, is, uh, is the managing director at Upgrad and is a stalwart in the tech space. So across uh, preschool, K-12, test prep, uh, higher education and tech, we have all covered today in this discussion. Uh, we will start with a round of introduction with the panelists. And then uh, we will have a brief uh, introduction about the topic and, and we'll get into the Q&A mode. So, NP, can you, if you can start with your introduction, then we can go ahead from there. Yeah, uh, thank you, Rakesh, and uh, good evening to all. Uh, I'm Nagaprasad Tumula, founder uh, and uh, chairman of People Combined Group. Um, we were the founders of Workred International School and uh, other forms of uh, schooling. Uh, we are there in education for last 27 years. And we have recently exited from um, Oakridge and uh, And um, currently we are focusing on a few things and working through our foundation, People Command Foundation. And the uh, journey is interesting and exciting. Thank you. Thank you, NP. And I, I should say that I've known NP for almost uh, a decade now. He was the one who got me into education. So, so, so thanks for that. Uh, moving on, Akash, you want to give a brief sound of introduction yourself? Yeah, sure, Rakesh. Thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Akash Chaudhary. I'm uh, class of 2004. I'm uh, the uh, CEO and director at Akash Education, uh, which is uh, a medical and IIT JE test prep company. Uh, also, uh, you know, founder and trustee at the Plaksha University, which is going to be the uh, technology university for 21st century, uh, soon to be started in Mahali. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Akash. And then we have Mayank, who's my batchmate from ISB, so I'll let him talk about himself as well. Yeah. Hi, guys. My name is Mayank. I'm one of the co-founders and managing director of Upgrad. Uh, uh, so in my previous avatar, being mostly in education, uh, have worked uh, not with people combined in Oak Ridge, but worked with North Anglia very closely. Uh, there's that connect. Uh, have never worked with Akash personally, but looked at Akash's diligence uh, about five, six years back when investors were always interested in the Akash education ecosystem. Uh, so I have uh, at least had the um, uh, pleasure of uh, knowing the businesses that both of you had done earlier, but um, uh, the entire focus for update has been largely in the online higher education space. Um, so perhaps could add in some perspective on that front in the panel today. So thanks, thanks Mayank. I'll also just spend a couple of minutes talking about my background and then we will kick off, kick start the panel from there. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a class of 09 graduate, uh, went to ISB along with Mayank and then post that I've been in the consulting space or started with the consulting space and then moved on to an education, right? So I was, I was head of finance and strategy with the people combined group, uh, was a board of directors there and, and uh, very recently we started our advisory firm, which is called Loesto Advisors. This is a firm which advises education companies on strategy, content and MA. And we were involved in some of the very market transactions which have happened in this space over the last couple of years. Uh, I've had the luck of the good fortune of uh, knowing Mayang, Tasha, Akash, and Naga for quite some time. And, and look forward to an exciting discussion today. So, without further ado, uh, let's start. Um, so, I think uh, one of the things that we all agree that the times that we are going through today uh, is unprecedented, right? Uh, the world, the human race actually hasn't seen uh, a pandemic, a crisis like which we are going through today. I mean, there has been the crisis of 2000, the dot-com bubble, the 2008 asset bubble which was there. But what we see today is a more real, a more dangerous, a more powerful crisis that we are seeing. Something that we have not seen in our life, right? And what this crisis will result in or what transformative impact this will result in 
it's very difficult to predict right uh, we have we have seen or we have talked to people in various industries and sectors and our sense is that some of the industries and sectors as we know today will possibly get completely wiped out after the after a, after a six month period or a one year period uh, the way that things are going right uh, while that is a broader spectrum, I think uh, what we are going to talk about today is the education sector. Uh, education, of course, is one of the one of the largest sector in the country. Uh, globally, around 1.5 billion learners have got impacted because of this COVID crisis. I mean, schools have been shut, uh, higher education uh, institutions have not been operating, test prep centers are not running for a long, long period of time since the lockdown. Uh, and I don't know when they will reopen, actually, to be honest, right? And uh, whenever they open, uh, given this world of social distancing, given the threat of virus still looming large, right? How these organizations will operate post the COVID scenario is still a big question. It's still something that we are not aware of. What we are definitely aware is they will be very different from what they were before the COVID. Right? So that definitely is something which is going to happen. Uh, however, the brighter side, specifically on the education sector, uh, we see uh, a lot of positive movement happening on the edtech basis. Uh, businesses which uh, are essentially using technology to deliver education, the kind of business which, let's say, Mayank is, uh, is an awesome kind of business, let's say, Akash has transformed AES into it, right? Uh, so today, we will spend a decent amount of time uh, going through each of these uh, subsectors and understanding the impact uh, that COVID will have on each of those businesses, right? So, so to start with, let me uh, pose a question to you, NP, right? Uh, so, NP, we have been advising a lot of play schools and early childhood left centers. Uh, with the threat of this virus still looming, what we see that most of these play schools and early childhood centers uh, have a complete complete wipeout of their revenue in this year. Their business is completely wiped out. Parents are very skeptical about sending their kids to preschools. Uh, uh, online education is not working for them. So as a, as a, as a person who had started the OI Play School, run it for a significant period of time, what would you advise entrepreneurs uh, for business continuity in this space? Or what should they be doing over the next couple of years, given the challenge they're facing? Particularly the kindergarten uh, segment for the parents, uh, they don't see any value when uh, uh, we have to approach uh, through the parents because uh, online, uh, the teacher uh, cannot uh, make the child do on her own. The teacher has to approach the child through the parent. That is the biggest challenge. As a result, that much parent also know. As a result, why do I unnecessarily pay to the uh, play school and then uh, do the same things uh, by myself let me do so it would be saving however um, agility is the key rakesh here um, i just would like to tell uh, one uh, uh, example uh, vijayabharati operates about more than 40000 schools across the country um, they operate schools in places where uh, nearby there are no government schools no government has any reach to such places and um, their teachers work um, even for thousand rupees per month so uh, the interesting equation they have is uh, 90 percent whatever the revenue they get uh, is for teacher salaries and uh, uh, remaining is uh, uh, for uh, check fees and other utilities so uh, then my question was uh, why do they work for a thousand rupees kind of the whole thing is like probably to, if we work better, if we do well, uh, more students will come and as a result, uh, we get more salary. That is the hope. And many places, um, actually parents pay the uh, fee in the form of their homegrown vegetables, dal and rice. Mm -hmm. So why I'm quoting this example is uh, uh, when any crisis like this comes, the kind of things out there are happening are phenomenally different. Mm -hmm. So how much we are open to uh, such uh, very path-breaking thoughts at the first place, is, that is the first question. You cannot approach with a solution that was working in a different times uh, and if you try to make it uh, happen now, it is very, very difficult. That is first thing. 
second thing is i was talking uh, this afternoon there is one this guy where they have all fixed costs they made every cost into variable cost including the rent is made variable depending upon their uh, revenue i receive this much is the percentage the landlord also cannot go anywhere even they made their staff salaries also as variable whatever is the percentage of revenue we get that is the salary you this kind of changes are very very important i don't uh, so i i am not saying that uh, it works for everyone but most of the people should uh, start thinking about it and third aspect is how much additional value we create see teachers are there to work it is the center head or the franchise the company has to think on how many ways we create value to the parents because you cannot engage the kid by more than one and a half hours or two hours that itself is too much so can you uh, create value to the parents so that they feel more comfortable and uh, okay to pay can you think of uh, even offering as a free uh, gift to your neighbors or relatives uh, this program uh, thereby see and all the day uh, for uh, the center play uh, center it is a fixed cost so some of those things and uh, kind of learning kits physical kits uh, giving as complimentary these are few things that one should uh, explore thanks and i think that that kind of uh, helps answer how people will deal with it. and i just want to add something to that i think i'm talking to a play school operator and he actually transformed his business very interestingly uh, what he did was essentially build something called a homeschooling kit right and what he's saying that i'm not going to teach the child i will actually train the parent to how to manage the child during this period right and i'm going to charge the parent for it i will going to give a kit to him so that he can manage the child very well and i think he is doing quite well so i think some of those innovative solutions need to come in for people to ensure that the business continue to continue in this in this space uh, thanks for the insightful answer np uh, uh, moving on akash i a similar sector is the test prep center right a test prep uh, business right i think even before covid 19 i think technology was disrupting this sector significantly and i think you were the first one of the first ones to recognize that and i think what you did with avsl in terms of transforming it from a offline to a, a, a digital thing was was quite uh, comprehensive and commendable i think covid 19 will make a significant impact on this sector and going back with your experience of transforming akash can you share insights about how test prep guides and specifically who are still in the offline world should deal with this situation So, Rakesh, uh, it's a very relevant question. Uh, you know, in the given, given context, uh, I think anybody and everybody who is in the offline education, whether it is test prep, whether it is school or higher education, I think they all are getting uh, you know faced with this challenge that how they're going to cope up with uh, the current situation and remain alive in terms of their cash flows, in terms of their program and product offering. You know, living at the brink of uh, the fear whether they'll get replaced by education programs or not so i think uh, some of the uh, things that we recognize uh, you know fairly early you know now on the hindsight you know uh, it looks like you know we recognize some uh, you know right dots and we, we planned it accordingly but at that time what we were doing is uh, you know what we were trying to understand you know typically you know you see this in your education that you know if you don't cannibalize yourself somebody will else will come and cannibalize you so why don't you be the one uh, you know who who goes who goes ahead and you know make that entire chain i think for us the battle was that more than the outside the battle was inside because it's a highly profitable physical classroom business uh, well reputed uh, you know strong cash flows Uh, with a you know network of franchisee who were who bought into your brand, uh, wanting to uh, you know totally disrupt that entire business model by offering online education, and I think we took some baby steps. Uh, first, we identified where the classroom cannot reach or could not offer its services, and that was our starting point. And uh, you know, in especially in test prep, uh, one of the one of the important parameters is you know how well your kids are doing so i think the first uh, focus for us was to ensure that you know we don't expand but we give results so i think that kept us uh, you know fairly hooked on to the academic uh, pillars of edtech uh, 
you know, so we did not approach the edtech uh, needs or edtech ecosystem uh, from technology. First, we addressed it, you know, with the help of academic, you know, academics and the whole academic pedagogy that how should a child be taught if he or she is not in front of you. So I think a lot of energy went in creating that academic pedagogy. And, uh, you know, we were actually, you know, so finicky that we wanted to hire techies who taught so that they could relate to the products and programs and then create, you know, having that kind of background in their head. So I think those were some of the initial steps that we were doing because of the overhang of, you know, largely an educational or educator-led organization. So we're pretty heavy on that. And we started with those markets where they were absolutely, you know, complete, mutually exclusive, you know, from the classroom. And when we started seeing some results, I think that is the point when, uh, you know, uh, the push sort of started taking a second place and the pull from the student, okay, you know, I wanted to come to Akash, you know, I stay in this small town near Assam, can you help me? So I think, so that's where, you know, when we saw that and then we started creating case studies around it and, you know, the biggest shock came from my own center, you know, they were absolutely against it. And they would come back and say that, you know, you, you were a killer business, you know, you know, why did we even give you a franchise than if you wanted to give online to my neighbor? So uh, I think that, so those were the battles that we were fighting inside. So it was a balance of short-term versus long-term gain. Uh, we did have to carry them along because, you know, they were, uh, you know, staunch believer in the brand and they invested their career, their life, their money into the brand. Uh, we protected them and we enabled them that, okay, so whatever revenues come from your sector will be accrued to you and will not take it. So we parted away with a lot of uh, revenue just to ensure that the ecosystem is supportive. And I think we started getting deep into it four to five years back. And, uh, and then, you know, thanks to the money that was being spent in EdTech and the awareness that was there. So parent community also reached out to us and asked that, you know, uh, you know, for K-12, of course, we're getting some good, uh, you know, programs and products in the market. Akash is a desperate brand. It's the high-stake exam like JE and me. So what do you have for that? So I think, so that is where our center started to give us a pull. That, okay, give me that also. And, and we went ahead and we created labs at all our locations in India just to give students a feeler and a flavor, uh, you know, that what online education can be with the support of a teacher standing right next to you. You know, it is like, you know, when you're learning to ride a bicycle, you have those supporting wheels. Uh, so we sort of started with that and we took one wheel out and then we started, we took the other wheel out and they were on their own. And, you know, boom came the COVID situation. And I think that was a, a situation where uh, overnight, you know, literally in about seven days, we were able to transition about, uh, you know, from 20,000 kids uh, studying online to about 1,25,000 students studying online completely. So I think it, it, it never happened overnight. Uh, it was uh, something which, uh, you know, we were observing in the market and very, very clear that, uh, you know, uh, to create a, a test prep company with 200 locations, teaching 2,50,000 students a year, uh, you know, we are not even 5, 6% of the overall market. Mm -hmm. So even if I spend another you know, five year and take this 200 center to 400 centers, I'll still be four lakh student, five lakh student, which will still be about 8% of the market. So how do I reach out? So I think online was an obvious answer for us and it's still entering into digital was an obvious answer for it. And uh, we, 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 we carried on with the balance. We did not let our partners, our branches uh, feel left out. We involved them as stakeholders, as partners uh, in offering that offerings. And uh, I think, uh, you know, so, so it's been a great transition uh, for us. And as we go forward, uh, one thing is also clear that we don't see, uh, you know, this taking over, uh, you know, classroom being taken over completely by digital. Uh, I believe that, you know, the students who, uh, especially in the high stake exam, who, who want to perform, who want to excel, uh, they would come back to a classroom environment, though, uh, they would expect a highly technology-enabled uh, classroom than it used to be. And they would like to be connected with their teachers more often through technology than what they used to be. Obviously, their behaviors will have some kind of mutation, but they would like to 
you know, be part of the offline uh, classroom environment. And it, what, what COVID kind of situation has done for this sector is actually overall expanded the whole test prep market. You know, kids who were never ever thinking of online education, uh, hoping that, you know, this kind of education is not impactful for a high stake exam. They have now tasted it. For last three months, nothing offline is happening. Everything is online. Mm-hmm. So they have tasted it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, tomorrow it will become difficult for me in classroom because if they're not happy with one of my teachers, they have an option right. sitting right outside. So I think so. this is going to be an exciting change. Uh, there are some permanent sort of changes that I see will happen in terms of their affinity to uh, be open to online education and expect more online, uh, you know, touch points within the classroom. But also, uh, you know, uh, see, you know, a mix of hybrids and a mix of purely online and purely classroom kind of things going forward. Right. I think uh, this is possibly one of the largest and most impressive digital transformation case study, which is there. And I think if ISB has not already captured it, would love to work with you and create a case study on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this case study story is yet to play out. <laughs> Let's see no, about COVID. But I think the early signs are great. Uh, but just as a follow-up question, I think somebody in the audience also asked it, right? I think, uh, uh, what do you think about the efficacy of the delivery, right? Versus online versus offline. Do you see a significant difference? Do you think they're coping with each other? What, what's your sense on that? No, I think efficacy, I would not say it's, uh, you know, at par with classroom. You know, hmm. Surely there are some gaps that do exist. And we feel that, uh, you know, there is a long journey for us to, really convert and transform, uh, you know, the touch point experiences of students fully online, uh, you know, especially in a high stake exam, because, uh, you know, just case in point, uh, you know, a student in K-12 may, you know, 10,000 kids can get 90%, you know, but you talk about AIMS Delhi, there are only 36 seats. Correct. So, you know, the, the, the fight and the competition rigor is very, very different. So to put that into action, there is a lot of, uh, you know, accuracy, speed, and all kinds of requirement that, you know, come into action to make that success happen. Sure. So I would say efficacy is far better than what it used to be a couple of years back sure. because, uh, you know, products have evolved, the pedagogies have evolved, and the engagement and interaction with the students on online platform with, you know, Microsoft Teams, Google Classroom, Zoom, and some of the other proprietary tools have really, you know, come forward and enabled a lot of, you know, huge amount of learning, but you know, it is not still there, but I think there, there is a significant leap and, uh, you know, the proof of the pudding is, uh, you know, into the how it pays uh, in terms of what are the results of it. And I think uh, this year, immediately right now in 2020, the NEET and J exam results will really show, you know, how kids perform. Okay. Okay. Would be interesting to see how many of these kids went through online system versus an offline system and see some efficacy analysis. Great. Uh, uh, moving on to Mayank, uh, the only person who is walking very happily to the bank in these days. Uh, Mayank, uh, the question to you is that there is definitely a surge on the tech business. Right? I think some companies have reported that three weeks, four weeks into COVID, the amount of eyeballs and revenues that they have recorded is potentially higher than the revenue that they got in the entire uh, year last year. Right? Uh, is this here to stay or is this a blip? What's your take on that? Post-COVID, will we continue to see the kind of momentum that you see in the in the tech business right now? Yeah, I think uh, if I look at, there was a general rule of thumb, uh, Rakesh, when people are talking about the tech space, that it's 4 to, uh, 4 to 1.5. So you see a 4x jump in traffic, uh, 2x jump in uh, start of a program, and 1.5x jump in revenues. So everything was correlated, and every organization in some way or other was falling in that thought process. I think now if you talk to others, uh, the numbers are higher, but it's not 4 to 1.5, but it is roughly about 2, 1.5, 1.25. So it's 2x jump in traffic, 1.5x jump in start rate, and about 1.25 to 1.3x in jump in revenue. But overall, I think there are three, four good things that have happened. Um, um, as as uh, both NP and Akash said, that the acceptability of online has increased a lot. And people have started figuring out now lack of any option, we'll do online. And in the process of that, if you don't do a bad job, people start believing in the in the in the efficacy of the particular platform. So what we are seeing is a greater interest where people are not asking the question on 
अरे ऑनलाइन से कुछ सीखने को मिलेगा कि नहीं मिलेगा दे आर वेरी क्लियरली दैट लुक नाउ आई हैव टू लर्न ऑनलाइन आई लर्न ऑनलाइन इन दिस एंटायर प्रोसेस यू जस्ट नीड टू डिलीवर अ गुड प्रोडक्ट एट द एंड ऑफ द डे द सेकंड थिंग दैट हैज हैपेंड इज दैट द द टाइम दैट इट यूज्ड टू टेक कन्विंसिंग बिकॉज़ वी आर अनलाइक के थ्रू 12 और टेस्ट प्रेप वेयर यूज यूजुअली इट्स अ इट्स अ गिवन प्रेवेलेंस दैट यू हैव टू टेक अप दीस प्रोग्राम्स टू मूव अप इन द इन द जर्नी Uh, we largely operate in the working professional space so it's not a it's not a must have it's a good to have uh, element there so in that good to have is now becoming more or less i don't have to explain you why it is good to have because people are now getting used to that particular thought process so the interesting trend rakesh that we have seen uh, in the last uh, few years if uh, i mean few months is that the conversion rates from leads to pay have surged while the cost per leads and getting leads are equally expensive because mm-hmm. google and facebook haven't brought down the cpls etc because there's high competition they still want the money uh, in the bank for themselves uh, but uh, the ability to convert them if i was converting at 4% 5% now i'm converting at 8% 9% so um, that has allowed us to sort of bring down cac tremendously which was uh, not the case prior uh, and i think that particular space is continuing to stay So when I said four is to two is to one point five, move to two um, uh, is to one point five is to one point two five, the CAC trends have continued to be thirty to forty percent lower uh, than what uh, what it used to be prior to COVID environment, and that is a much bigger change in the increase in demand. And the reason I'm saying is that one of the biggest problems in education has been that CAC kills. Sure. And you cannot price a product under ten thousand, twelve thousand rupees because you will not be able to justify that. Uh, that shift has happened, and people are able to acquire customers much cheaper. and then retaining them in the long run is a product problem that everyone has to sort of fight against and and, and work on so i think those are not blip changes i genuinely feel these are long term fundamental shifts that have happened in the ecosystem and i think it's a good for the ecosystem at this point in time it's i'm very sure that it's continuing to stay great i think i think one of the things which people complain about sorry just as an entrepreneur if it does not continue to stay you <laughs> have to make it stay <laughs> that i don't have an option but to make it stay right now I, I like that spirit. I like that spirit. But I have a complaint about all these tech companies, and specifically, you talk about uh, the acquisition cost. You talk about uh, the 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 cost of uh, getting people. Nobody talks about completion rate. I think that's the elephant in the room, right? We're talking about completion rates of three percent, five percent kind of a number. And if that is that number is so abysmally low, what is the long term future of something like that? Right? If I'm not able to complete the program, like again, come back and uh, register for another program. what yeah. do you want no, i think it's a, a very fair point i think in the online education space if i look at the edtech now we are on the third i call it the third wave of education uh, edtech the first wave was just about making good content accessible so if yeah. you get stanford content isb content morton content put it up online and you will yeah. watch it um, yeah. and i think that was the first wave of between 95 to 2005 2010 uh, that that focused uh, there on um, the second wave rakesh which was uh, uh, essentially between 2010 to 2015 was a lot focused on completion and engagement i mean even till now 2018 19 also it was not focused on completion and engagement i feel that race has also been overcome by multiple operators i mean for us the completion rates are about 85 to 90% plus uh, partly you can say they pay you a lot of money then they will complete but my argument is also gym may you give the money in january but march you don't continue right um, so uh, uh, the completion rate argument I, i think over a period of time has become a vanity metric uh, because most good edtech providers are now operating at 70 80 90% completion rate um, mm-hmm. with the right kind of product intervention that is happening i think the interesting conversation that you asked akash and np also is on efficacy and outcomes mm-hmm. i think on the third wave of edtech we are right now talking about purely about outcomes will i deliver a job if i'm paying you 1 lakh 2 lakh rupees will you give me a 3 lakh rupees increment in my salary mm-hmm. it is the same conversation as what you have with ISB at the end of the day that look I'm coming in and I'm putting in this much amount of money and I think the same would be true for Akash also at the end of the day if I'm putting in some amount of money for digital I want to see return on my investment at the end of the day yeah. so I think from access things move to completion and engagement um, which now I think is a vanity metric completely and now people are more and more talking about outcomes and efficacy and if we can move in that direction edtech will continue to stay okay. um, which is what I feel right now is where we are essentially Great. I think. Well, I think when the with the out- outcomes come, you know, as Mayank said, you know, at the, the you know the completion rates will go up. People yeah. say that you know right now there's this little 
you know, doubt in the mind that, okay, why should I complete? Will it give me output or not? When mm. they see the success stories of this getting, mm. you know, published and people happy that, okay, you know, I, I completed and then I got through mm. or got my job, I think yeah. the completion rates will go up significantly. Valid point. I think good to switch that transform or see the transformation happening from stage one to stage two to stage three. I think it augurs well, well for the sector. Uh, another thing which has been kind of brought out by a lot of audience and other discussions is that you see a lot of push around this uh, online education. I mean, schools are running classes online, talking about Akash, talking about EdTech uh, being a way for test prep, and uh, my uncle, of course, is in EdTech business. I think the bigger question which, which comes to mind is for a, for a long period of time, education has been considered as a leveler, right? If you are from a specific economic background, you get education and you, you arrive at life, right? However, with this online education and the kind of infrastructure facility that is required, you require a device, you require internet connectivity, a good bandwidth, all of that to actually get an access to that education, right? Uh, somewhere, obviously, there is a large portion of Bharat which doesn't have access to all of these devices and internet and all of that. So is, is this online education somewhere increasing the divide between people in India and Bharat? What's your sense and how can... How can businesses and governments and everybody play a role on, on, on meeting this divide or reducing the divide? And if you, I mean, this is open to any panelist. I mean, anyone, anyone can take this question. And, and yeah, probably all of us can uh, uh, contribute to this question. Um, the way it is happening, at least in uh, Telangana and Andhra Pradesh, the broadband uh, connection to all the households is what's happening that kind of work might be happening across the country so uh, over the time though it is not ready yet uh, during covid uh, but uh, very soon uh, this is going to be in place and people now have understood that the need for internet so that is going to be there that is first thing second thing is once there is internet what kind of accessories or gadgets you have at household, even in a smallest of the small household, that matters, be it is a mobile phone, be it is a TV, or be it is other forms of uh, gadgets. So, uh, however, uh, the children may not have the kind of experience uh, what you and I have, maybe on a tab or laptop, but when this is the only option available, definitely students are consuming. And uh, the kind of stories uh, uh, we are getting to hear Students are every day climbing up hill just for that signal so that uh, they get uh, the download and dump and do kind of work. So it's a differently happening. Yes, there is going to be higher divide. It is already there. But however, internet is going to be the leveler. It is going to take, as Akash did with his coaching in the remotest of the village, where a franchise is not economical, but the student is getting quality education at maybe one-fourth of the price or even less than that. That's going to happen. It's going to be a great level. Okay. Well, I think, uh, as you uh, just said, it's, it's a very important element to be considered for digital to become successful. But, you know, these statistics are very, very disturbing. India today has about 27% access to internet. Mm. And within that 27%, uh, half of them have a continuous internet with a device. Mm. So you can well imagine, uh, you know, I think one of the fear that I have with this entire online push, if it is not done correctly, it's going to create a bigger divide. That, you know, people who are well-connected versus not well-connected, who are well-connected, getting good education from top professors, even getting a Harvard degree sitting in India, in Nanded, for example, if you are well-connected on internet. And if you are not well-connected, however talented you may be, you'll be left out in the race because your schools are not offering great quality. Maybe they are shut down right now. And so, you know, it, it, so, so I think for, from the government, you know, our expectations have always been, you know, as, as part of somebody in the education fraternity, the government, you know, the name itself, you know, they should govern and audit and control, not run. So, you know, when government gets into the role of, uh, you know, this is my personal opinion, you know, I may be wrong in somebody else's thought process, but I see government as, you know, to play a role of to govern things with their policies and guidelines and audit and ensure the compliance of that mm. and not really take on the baton, okay, I'm going to run your school, I'm going to run your university. And there is no accountability and audit on that. So I think, look at what happened to the passport. 
you know, it's, it's fully privatized. Look at what happened to the electricity, it's fully privatized. You know, at a lot of states. So given that kind of track record, I think the government needs to really come forward for the education sector. That yes, there is enough talent, there is enough need in the country. Why don't the you know, education entrepreneurs come forward and take this up? Because with this increasing digital penetration, with lack of infrastructure, the digital device is going to go far more higher. You know, we are talking about schools shut down right now and maximum number of schools in India are in government. You know what that means? Midday meals are shut. Your daily meals are shut. Your zincs are shut. The health hygiene and malnutrition is going to see a new spring up. So I think there is a lot more things, you know, like before COVID, we never realized how the world is so connected. And we, we don't even realize how education is so well connected with the future of any organization or any country. Mm-hmm. So I think there are there are some positive steps and belief in the education entrepreneurs that the government needs to show and give them that helping hand and progress so that they can make the changes that are important to this country. Mm-hmm. And India is a country of numbers. Correct. You know, and then, you know, those can really run magic mm-hmm. uh, if, if handled properly. Right. Mayank, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree uh, to your point that it should solve for it. But honestly, um, this digital divide uh, will exist. And I don't think it's a short term change that that is going to happen. I mean, education is a caste system at the end of the day. And uh, to get to a better caste, you have to do certain things in a very different manner. Um, So today morning, we're having this conversation, uh, Rakesh, that um, this digital divide has to reduce. Unfortunately, all three, four of us can do a lot of things in that zone, but it's a full ecosystem push. Um, I, um, so when we started off, we started off with a lot of working professional, large scale sort of uh, tier one city ecosystem. Then we moved to first time job seeker. Guys who either graduate, drop out after college and who don't find jobs. My demographic shifted from 80% tier one city to 20% tier one city. I'm getting a person who's in a remote part of Andhra and Telangana and taking up a program. But the beauty, Rakesh, today is that these guys can get access to the best faculty uh, uh, by being wherever they are. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to get to, today we announced launch of four degree programs with, uh, with, a Jamia, with Jamia Amdad University in North India. Um, I'm going to offer some of these programs to someone who's living in a remote part of Bihar, who typically travels to Delhi to enroll in Delhi University's classroom and then participate in an offline government PO test prep, UPSC, etc. Oh, he spends 2 lakh rupees every year for that. His parents get loan to send the kid and then make them stay in a 3,000 rupees, 4,000 rupees shared accommodation. Um, that's the beauty of online that it may not solve the divide to the full extent, but those costs associated with moving, going, shifting places, a girl, a doctor from a village doesn't go to a Patna or a, or a Patna. Uh, to study because parents don't want to send their daughters out of the out of the village, out of the town. Can leveraging online, we can bridge that divide? Yes. Mm-hmm. So your larger question, will the divide exist? I don't think it's going to go away immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. But to a large extent, we level up. Uh, it's just going to take a lot of time and a lot of infrastructure changes to come to a place where it is a pure sort of access divide coming out. Sure. Uh, I think that's, that's very, very valid uh, input. And I think possibly this will lead to a universal internet access kind of a situation where people have free and uh, free access to internet uh, uh, just a, just a related point entry on the on the k12 space right and this is another sector which has got significantly disrupted because of covid and often cannot run and all of that and we keep uh, hearing a lot of government regulations coming in and we heard a few days back that the karnataka government came and said that no online education till grade 5 Maharashtra is talking about a similar thing. Uh, so there is a lot of these, um, these, these, these interventions which are happening from the government and there is a mixed feedback from parents, right? Uh, as somebody who has been the chairman of FIKI-RI who has advised government on education policy, what do you think should the government be doing at this stage? I mean, how should they handle this entire uh, sector and ensure that the stakeholders get benefited from it? Many a times, Rakesh, uh, um, we blame government, but if you put a debate of four people, no two parents agree on the same point. Mm. So the parents who take the issue to the government ask for the government intervention and 
in the government the people they are also what is government they are also people so whoever is uh, talking uh, more loudly or more articulately the officer uh, gets convinced that is how most of these things happen see where was it government interfering with uh, how much of online teaching is okay for two three months it was fine mm. so the, the point i'm making is uh, uh, it's most times we as operators our parents go to the government ask for the government intervention and government as uh, uh, akash mentioned uh, their job is uh, settle the scores so, so they have to intervene they, they, they can't sit idle you guys fight it out you guys uh, decide what you want to do mm-hmm. so uh, that's where uh, government however at a at a national level at a government of india level mhrd level what they are pushing hard is guys stop all this just educate children whichever way whether it is online whether it is tv whether it is radio all <coughs> children should not lose this valuable time don't debate on these things just please go and do it even when the state governments are saying whatever left right and center um, however government of india is trying to convince the mhrd department is trying to convince these folks stop it and you please move forward and they also on the fee recovery also they said so uh, schools have fixed costs how can you say don't pay fee till it is open see so fundamentally schools are not shut it is the school buildings are shut mm, correct so the learning actually students were earlier coming to school and uh, now uh, whereas now school is going to their doorstep correct so there is a lot of effort in it and uh, there is so much of work is happening so when somebody with a very narrow focus of uh, school and the definition of education and all these things somebody has to say that people keep saying but ultimately sense prevails so we should not be carried away by these uh, kind of narratives that we newspapers write today they write something different tomorrow it is very different as long as you are educating children you are doing good job that's fantastic enough uh, uh akash i think a related question so you have been you have been a founder trustee for palaksha right and i think there has always been a lot of debate around the roi on higher education even before the covid uh, situation right and now with covid coming in i think that that discussion has become even more in the forefront that is higher education worth it and with with my young kind of people coming into competition and providing skilling and reskilling programs for 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 people which which will enable them to get jobs what's what what's your view on the future of higher education what how do you think things will evolve from post covid no it's a very important uh, question rakesh and you know i think we are at a stage where uh, obviously higher education uh, will have to reinvent itself uh, there is no doubt about it and uh, i think uh, you know in education one of the core elements that really uh, stands uh, you know uniquely or creates itself as a differentiator is a brand so i think uh, a lot of uh, higher education you know c run b run colleges will go through a major major disruption a lot of them will go through closure uh, people will have to uh, you know reinvest in creating uh, you know the physical ecosystem of uh, bright minds uh, with far more higher involvement and engagement on campus and off campus uh, you know to get those guys to uh, you know enroll and pay up that top dollar uh, you know it's and it's not it is not just india you know the uh, universities uh, in the western world especially in us you know the latest statistics say that by the end of the year 30% of the higher ed universities in us would actually shut down because of lack of resources and lack of future plan how they going to attract students with more and more online universities coming and especially in india with the new government announcement where they are given approval to about for about you know top 100 universities to offer online degree program i think these are all positive steps and in midst of that you know we are trying to set up laksha and uh, i would say on the contrary you know we are very very fortunate that you know covid has happened before we could actually open doors for kids so we can really think through that you know what is the right approach to enter in a post covid higher education market and we are already doing that you know what are the courses that will interest people what kind of engagement will the student expect in a higher education program what are the problems that a student will face if a student is not on campus and then can we can we accentuate that and can we offer that as a great offering within the university 
you know, for example, you know, I, I, I remember a conversation I had with, uh, you know, one of the investors and he was talking about, you know, you know what, we missed out on this Ola opportunity. It was a great opportunity. It came to us. And we did a quick number of how many taxis are there and what is the market. And we came to realization it's a very small market. Let's not waste our time and energy. We didn't realize how many people were waiting for to take a taxi. Uh, you know, and it's not the taxi takers. It's just that, you know, the hidden market which actually sprung, sprung up and actually took them by surprise and, you know, okay, we missed the bus. And I think for highly qualified, well-orchestrated academic program universities, there is a lot of demand out there which we can tap into with all our, you know, full campus, you know, half campus, half hybrid, fully online, all kinds of programs that we can really start on today itself. And, you know, uh, you know, we are all part of ISB and, you know, I've been having chat that, you know, how has been the, you know, the reaction of students who are joining the batch of 2021. And I believe that, you know, the 900 strong batch out of the 900 strong seated batch of 700 joined uh, with the promise and, uh, you know, the interaction that they were, uh, you know, uh, you know, shown and planned for. So I think it, it all depends, you know, what is the brand pool and what are you offering and how does that offering, you know, very, very clearly differentiate with the online program and how that can increase or create new job prospects or entrepreneurial prospects for you as a, you know, for, for you as a student. So I think we are right at the cusp of that situation for Plaksha and we're very excited that we will be able to take advantage of this new thinking and create a very, very different kind of university. Right, I think. I think I think a uh, lot of pertinent points. I think uh, I'll just want to get Mayank's view on that, and specifically Mayank, that now that higher education institutes have also started to transform themselves. They have also started to launch online programs, which are skill based, which are certificate programs. And ISB used to do it for a long time, but I think others have started to do it. Do you see a lot of competition coming from the traditional higher education institutes in your space? Uh, so I think maybe I'll just pick up one piece which you said about uh, higher education and Plaksha is a great example of that. Uh, as much as we say higher education will disrupt and change, you know what fundamentally is the same question as, uh, and I'm just sort of, I, I, I'm an internal optimist, but I'm just giving a, a sense of uh, pessimism out there, is that, yeah, it's the same question that we've been asking in India for the last 100 years, yeah, caste system kab jayega? Jayega nahi abhi. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the education system has got massive amount of information asymmetry. I don't know you, you don't know me. I ask you which college did you go to? ISB. I form an opinion about you. And then I start talking to you in a very different manner. So it's a, you are playing on information arbitrage. You go to a party uh, and you are wearing a, um, a simple Fab India thala or jhola versus you're carrying a Louis Vuitton bag. The person will come and talk to you very differently. So it has the entire inherent characteristic of a luxury good product and that I think will, it's not that easy to go. Unfortunately, it is going to take a fair amount of time for it to disappear. We have seen bootcamp model coming in the US. Uh, still degrees are selling a lot more. We have seen uh, people are coming with skill-based short certification program. Still degrees take up the market significantly. But I think what will happen, uh, Rakesh, on, on, on that front is, uh, if you look at the way Plaksha is modeled, which is very interesting in the sense that we are bringing, they're bringing the best of the industry guys along with the academia and bringing the two together, which otherwise it has been a factory of giving out certification, giving out degrees. So that piece is what gets missed out because in the context of building more higher education institution, we went from 400 to 900. It's just about building capacity, but we're not focusing on quality. So I believe that what will change in the future is a lot of these learnings will come with a degrees will still sell because we'll still have the caste system, unfortunately, for the for the for at least longer period of time than what I could I would have liked it to. Uh, but that will come in with a lot of inputs and elements of um, um, uh, a lot of elements of industry coming in and playing a role in that. Hmm. And the second thing that will fundamentally change, Rakesh, is that if you look at our parents' generation, uh, everyone. If you ask them how many jobs did your parents have in the entire career, perhaps one or two, they did one job in the entire career. In today's generation, ask anyone and run a poll, um, an ISBN would be skipping job every three to four years or right. five years. Right. Um, and that fundamental shift would mean that education will no longer, higher education will no longer be an event in someone's life, but it will be a journey. Hmm. That's where the certification, the skilling, and those kind of programs will come in. People will still want to get become a graduate, 
but after graduation they still want a, a certification program a post graduation program an online phd so on and so forth so the world will change from that just one time phase that with the you get a polio vaccination you are done with your education you will continue to get polio vaccination every 3 to 5 years because you are changing jobs so that shift that will happen rakesh will be a bigger transformation of higher education ecosystem uh, than just what will happen in the higher education ecosystem because that will continue to happen year of 27 30 40 percent whatever term that you use from denominator it will continue to go up um, people will go for that but post that it will sprung up a different industry which doesn't exist today which is going to be a bigger impact on what the long, lifelong learning ecosystem is all about right great great point uh, mayank and i think uh, i think uh, we, we heard about the news of you guys launching this online degree programs and stuff and i think it kind of resonates with that because i know a whole bunch of folks who want to after five years of experience get into some of those degree programs so the continuous process of learning which will need to be there uh, i think uh, what we'll do now is open up to a few questions from the audience uh, and, and and kind of try and answer that and the first one is a very pertinent question because we have alumni group as the audience here uh one of the very few sectors who's looking which is looking positive and which is looking at or there are news articles which which is saying that a tech sector is hiring this many number of people or there are this many number of roles which are available right uh just to get a sense from everybody where is the where is the education or where is the job market in education right now, what are the kind of roles that we're talking about and as a alum group we have alum group a sizable alum group what are some of the advice that you would give for people to kind of Uh, get ready for some of those job, job opportunities whenever they come. So, bank, if you want to take that first. I think we, uh, the moment COVID hit us, we took two calls. I will double my number of programs. Uh, so, we are looking for people who can help us build product, learning products, content, uh, teaching, uh, who can help us sort of create that piece because we don't hire teachers. We hire smart individuals who can understand product building on a on a digital platform. Uh, <laughs> so uh, content product and the learning product is really that we are doubling down on so we are uh, we are moving from 100 member team to 200 member team size um, uh, adding 100 additional people on content and the second one uh, rakesh is on sales marketing and distribution um, where in uh, um, uh, we are looking at sort of expanding the team uh, team size there because we believe that uh, the model has come to a place where efficacy question has been solved it is about distribution and and, and scaling of the business so both for sales and marketing and pnl kind of roles um, uh, as well as on product roles or building learning products are two areas that we are uh, very closely focusing on um, we are also the third area for us which is an equally important area is um, careers um, and not careers as placement team but just thinking about solving for careers need at scale um, ISB has to solve career needs at 900,000 people, 2,000 people, but we have to solve for 10,000 people. And if you are building it for that scale of career needs, that is a different style of product thinking as to how we can build this ecosystem. So between product, sales, and marketing, and outcomes are the three areas that we are looking at people. And I think if we can get some good serious talent, um, there's there's enough market for multiple multiple operators to exist. Great, I think I think that's a good insight. Akash, your views on that? no i i believe that uh, you know given the current experience and the way things are looking forward uh, you know a lot of uh, opportunities and industries uh, sectors around you know what you can access from home uh, you know without traveling you know for example logistics you know it is a great opportunity today uh, and will always be because you know you're sitting at home you want everything delivered at home Uh, you know, so so logistics is a very very tech enabled logistics is a very very interesting area. Gaming, you know, kids, uh, you know, they'll be spending more time at home. I think this is a crazy area, and it's gonna see some really really crazy surge around. And anything, uh, you know, speciality thing moving into cloud, you know, cloud kitchen, you know, del- delivering food. People would be concerned about going to, you know, restaurants and you know all those things there, and you know. anything and everything to do with entertaining people you know your netflixes and amazons of the world you know uh, amazon prime of the world so i think there there is anything that you can you know sit at home and access uh, and and give you you know sort of uh, fulfill your you know uh, maslow's hierarchy some basic needs i think uh, that's that's not going to go anywhere and if you can service that and then actually build on top of that with the help of ai with the help of machine learning with data analytics 
I think these are some of the areas uh, which are not going to go anywhere, uh, especially, you know, education, healthcare, you know, these are some of the areas, uh, health, healthcare technology, healthcare access, uh, telemedicine, video medicine. I mean, there, there are many areas uh, that will soon really explode uh, with, you know, the current experience that we are seeing where people want everything in the safety of their, you know, of their houses, you know, just don't want to leave the secure parameters of their houses and go out and explore. So I think these are some of the areas that people could explore. So I would like to add one more point here, Akesh. Um, um, also, uh, apart from what Mayank and uh, Akash said, um, gig work is the future. So you have to be on your own self. If you are mentally wired for the old-fashioned uh, kind of fixed salaries, job kind of thing and managing teams in an office that's more or less uh, it is a uh, it's it's very difficult territory to get into if you can evolve as a gig worker uh, the world is open and a whole lot of opportunities uh, can uh, seek you and your involved. thanks thanks and i think one more question before we kind of conclude the session uh, this is essentially around uh, how, so the, if you look at the education, if you look at like a classroom education, a school or a university or a college, it is just way beyond the concept learning that happens, the social learning that is happening, there is the interaction which is happening, there is an activity-based learning which is happening. I think the world moves more towards online, right? How does that work out? I mean, how does the social learning work out in that, in the online uh, space? How does how does the activity-based learning work out in an online space? And I think uh, all the panelists can take a shot at it because somewhere all of us have seen the, the traditional way of uh, learning and the tech-based learning. So any thoughts on that particular? So um, from a school's point of view, um, uh, if uh, anybody thinks that uh, there is no need for schools, one is uh, thinking too much uh, far-stretch idea. Schools will be there, maybe because of this COVID crisis for some time, they may have different kind of challenges, but uh, uh, they continue to be attending schools. So they, maybe a tech space uh, for some more time is either integral part of the school system or as a uh, supplemental part of school system. It is not um, at loggerheads with the school system. Uh, Mayank, do you think AR, VR can play a role out there? Like some, some... Well, it is right. I think, uh, AR, VR, I think I saw the question also. It is, I think as a technology, it's a phenomenal technology, but I just genuinely feel that the problem that this country is facing, uh, it is still too elitist uh, on, on, on that front. It is good to have, uh, but not an important thing. But to your question, Akash, I think one of the things that we should understand and appreciate about EdTech is that we are not in the business of content. We are not in the business of um, uh, great ed tech platform, etc. We are literally in the business of, uh, uh, I jokingly call it, of selling concentration. Um, because the the fact is that the best of the, why is the ISB built in Dachi Boli? Because you cannot go out of the campus. The campus is so convenient. You will stay inside. And what else will you do? You will study. And that's how, I mean, the earliest of the university was built as a form of jail. That I went to Kharagpur, which was a jail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kharagpur, what will you do You cannot get out of the mind of the study. It was, it was literally a jail. It was a, it was a concentration camp. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And then uh, you have built uh, Cambridge and Oxford outside the outskirts of London. You have built uh, Harvard and MIT out of Boston. The fact is that they got, and, and if you look at the quality of university, Dr. Jokini and I say that the height of the wall uh, is inversely correlated to the uh, the poor quality of the university. Of, <laughs> the the walls or the further the distance <laughs> from the best, uh, largest city, the better the university. And the beauty is that the reason why it works out is that if you can focus on giving out concentration at the end of the day. Um, and, 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 and when you are working in edtech, you are actually fighting the Google, Facebook, WhatsApp, etc. And you're not in a classroom. If I look into your eyes, I make you nod your that's what Akash said. It's very easy in a classroom to simulate that experience. Uh, but there are enough product intervention Rakesh, that are actually happening, which can bring in community work, peer-to-peer -peer learning. If the need be, um, um, we do um, geotagging where people can say, okay, now together we'll meet up at the CCD or Starbucks or the nearest coffee center and catch up for a, for a uh, offline study. Um, there are ways in which you can create social stigma. If you're not doing it, your wife will get a message of Rakesh is not finishing the homework. Uh, or, or your kid will get. I, 
you're not finishing the homework and i will also not finish the homework you can build a lot of those elements uh, because look honestly when was the last time you met your best friend you met him on whatsapp or her on whatsapp for a lo longest period of time that's the world which is going to evolve and we need to come out with thought intervention that can leverage that and bring the best of offline world into the online ecosystem also yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I've been, uh, you know, as someone who moved on from the offline to the online significantly, we also are very concerned on this, uh, you know, the entire online piece, uh, you know, with respect to, uh, you know, what is what it's going to do uh, with kids sitting in silos. Uh, you know, I read somewhere, you know, somebody was mentioning you know, thank God my, you know, my childhood was over before devices took over. So, you know, so, so I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, as, as educators, you know, people who are listening, uh, I think it's very, very important that, you know, there, there has to be, as an educator, you know, it's very important that we also propagate the role of, uh, you know, health and food habits and all of that, you know, see what happened recently this week, uh, you know, with one of the film actors. So, you know, handling failures, uh, you know, concentrating, building willpower, these are some of the basic life skills which people don't teach in schools. And, 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 and I wonder why, you know, uh, whole life you have to encounter so many failures. You have to encounter, you know, containment into zones and, you know, given the current scenario. So I don't know what's going on in the minds of the kids. I, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, you know, uh, hoping that you know they don't they don't give up they don't lose up uh, because uh, you know these environments are as killing and as pressurizing and frustrating for us adults imagine what's going on with the in, the in the minds of the kids so i think as as part of you know all the offerings that we are trying to put forward uh, i think uh, making making health as priority making you know emotional physical mental uh, you know stability as priority is something that you know, should become part because once you have that and you build any kind of science on it or any kind of program on it, you know, kid will be able to sustain it. And if this right. foundation is weak and, you know, with this non-social, non-physical, uh, the chances that, you know, the kid might get into the viral loop of, you know, a weak uh, foundation. Uh, so I think this is something that needs and that is why, you know, the physical environment will always flourish. Because that is the fundamental need, uh, you know, being social, being talking, being, uh, being, being learned from other people's experience and expression. So I believe that that should become an, uh, you know, an integral, integral part of, you know, all the offerings that we bring forward. So great, great thoughts, uh, Akash. I think, and, and I think, uh, quite pertinent given the time that we are we are living in right now. Uh, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll just go around with a set of closing comments. And I think we're done with most of the questions that we wanted to take in this call. Uh, uh, I'll just start by saying a couple of things and then the, then the rest of the panelists can take up as well. I think uh, from what I've heard in the last hour and what you've discussed with a lot of entrepreneurs and educators for the last couple of months, I think this is an unprecedented time. I mean, we all recognize that. We all, uh, we all, we all see that. And I think we, we might have a lot of questions. We might not have answers to all of the questions. But as, as NP was mentioning initially that the, the key to all of this is being to, is it to being agile, right? It could be kind of keep watching for what's happening around, find opportunities and, and ways to kind of deal with the situation so that as entrepreneurs, as educators, we kind of find solutions for the challenge that, that we face right now. To some extent, obviously, um, you know, some of the subsectors are doing uh, really, really well. EdTech is doing well. And, and I keep saying that uh, what really demonetization did to finance fintech is what possibly a COVID-19 situation can do a lot to a lot of education businesses. It could be the boost which the sector has required, right? So I think a lot of interesting times uh, are staying in front of us. I think if we are all vigilant, if we are all kind of uh, thinking through our uh, thinking, thinking on our feet and looking for those opportunities, I think is a lot of interesting things that we can do. So it, it's going to be interesting times, is what I would say, and I'll let the panelists add to that and then kind of close this conversation. Yeah, um, I, as you mentioned, Rakesh, uh, this is a phenomenal, uh, uh, unprecedented uh, time. Uh, as uh, somebody was saying, uh, the world see it as before COVID and after COVID. So in such a um, situation, if 
all the people, be it educators or in whichever form connected to education space, need to um, lie low and uh, uh, let this pass uh, so that they can still survive is uh, first thing. Second thing is uh, the online and uh, uh, technological intervention is no more a choice. It is going to be permanent. So how much technology enabled, strengthened education, these education players offers is going to be the future. So um, no, no need to feel very anxious about it, but it is high time for people to look forward to a new world order. Thank you, Andrew. Akash? No, no, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a crazy situation right now, but, you know, world has seen worse. They've seen world wars, they've seen, you know, I mean, Germany, Japan was totally decimated and, you know, they, they, they erected themselves again uh, powerfully. Uh, so there is no doubt that we will, you know, we will go through this and we'll come out winner. I mean, this, this shall too pass, uh, you know, as they say. And I'm very confident that uh, the world after COVID normalcy uh, will be different, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, it won't be weak. We'll be far more prepared, far more stronger and uh, you know and, and, and this there, there is definitely an end to it and uh, you know so many things to look forward to no i think uh, I, I agree i'll just maybe take a different route than covid and i'll just say that uh, look it's a great time uh, to be in edtech in education in uh, uh, because these are fundamental things as both, both and akash said uh, uh, and i think the beauty of this phase what I what I've noticed is that the quality of entrepreneurs that are coming in the education space are phenomenal. They are some of the best guys who are right now working on solving some of the biggest needs in the tech space in the education sector. So for all who are here, while the sector is hot, exciting, uh, the sector can actually afford many more successful entrepreneurs. So if you have question marks, is this the right time? Is this not the right time? Uh, you will not find a better time to jump into edtech. So maybe a good time for any one of you who are thinking of starting something of their own to take up the plunge um, uh, and there's the good part is that and then this panel shows that there's enough ISP uh, legacy in the education and tech space um, so there's enough uh, guidance available in, in, in this journey but um, but if you're looking at this thing best time to do this because we need as many bright education problems uh, because together if we can um, um, I think we will we'll 10 years later we'll be all very happy seeing something very meaningful happened in the last 10 years um, maybe change the way education was delivered in this country. Oh, great point, Mayankar. I think I think there was a great surge of fintech companies post demo, and I think this could be the potential moment we'll start seeing a lot of tech companies coming. Uh, guys, you have Mayank's LinkedIn ID. I can I can share with and everybody else has LinkedIn ID. Feel free to reach out to each other and get help and support wherever required. Uh, just as a closing thought, uh, as a part of the process, there is a feedback form uh, which has been shared in the chat. Uh, feel feel fill up the feedback. Let us know how, what you felt about the session. And also, there is another uh, uh, SIG session which is planned, uh, I think, on Saturday. Uh, I'll just share my screen if I can. Uh, yeah, so this is a session which is supposed to come on Saturday. So, in case uh, it's going to be an interesting session because we have a bunch of investors and entrepreneurs talking about uh, their their journey. Uh, so, register for it, and if you if you have time, please participate. Uh, thanks all. The, thanks to all the panelists. Thanks for taking out time and sharing your insights. And thanks to the audience uh, for for having a very insightful questions out there. Uh, have a great evening and and we'll connect. Thank you. Thank you.